Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. everybody and welcome along to a special programme here on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. It's that time of year, isn't it, when we look back at everything in the season, the motor racing season, uh, that has just gone by. As we're thinking about holidays and lying around and eating and drinking too much, gives us the opportunity to reflect on what we've seen uh, over the last 12 months. Well, actually, it's a bit less than that for our subject of this review for 2019 because we look at the NTT Indy Car Series. I'm delighted to say that joining me to shed some light into the dark corners of American uh, America's uh, top single-seater formula is Jeremy Shaw. Hello, Jeremy. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you happen to be, John. Great to talk to you as always. Uh, and smashing to have you. And, and the reason, I mean, it's, it's been a while. The reason I say it's, you know, a bit in the dim and distant past, the, the IndyCar season, the NTT IndyCar season has been uh, sort of squashed together in the middle of the year. So we had a quite a, an early finish to what was actually a pretty good season, uh, a few uh, tracks, uh, the the schedule sort of compressed together, but the the track makeup of of where they went and and the road circuits, street circuits, and oval mix pretty good as far as twenty nineteen was concerned. Very good in my book, actually. I thought it was a really really good season. Uh, the quality of the competition was was top notch. Uh, the championship went down to the last race of the season, uh, which it, which it normally does, particularly with the points with the double points finale which I'm not a big fan of. But uh, no, I thought it was a great season all around. It's a really, really good, really good competition against some, amongst some very, very good drivers, John. And talking about very good drivers, the rookies this year, rookies to the NTT IndyCar Championship, we have to say. But we had a pretty good crop this year. Often you and I have been talking around this time of year about two or three drivers. There was a few more than that this year and a few, in fairness, who have come from other forms of racing, notably the driver who ended up at the top of the rookie championship with 425 points for Chip Ganassi Racing, Felix Rosenqvist. Marcus Eriksson was in there as well. But in Colton Herter and Santi Ferrucci and Pato O'Ward, genuine rookies, genuine talent and genuine promise for the future, Jeremy. Yeah, very much so. I think it was it was a strong crop, the strongest crop they've had for for several years. Uh, and it, again, that came down to the final race as well. And you know, three of the drivers could could have won that rookie championship at the final round. Uh, so you know, I think uh, and you know, two of them ended up in the top ten in the points comfortably in the top ten in the points. So again, from that perspective, you could also call it a really good strong season. And and how. Um, Do we take anything from that? We know that it's hard to move on. We know, uh, and you know, we're sort of straying into preview uh, for 2020 season now. But we know that doing well in one season is is no guarantee that you'll be retained or taken on for the next season. But those rookies, did they do enough to attract attention? Do you think? 
Yeah, I think all of the rookies this year did uh, accomplish that goal, no question about it. And uh, and the, the guys at the top of the, of the rookie table towards the at, you know at the end of the year very much to, to have, have cemented their careers in, in for the future. I think for the, for the next several years. Uh, yes, it has been a bit of a change of the guard, which I'm sure we'll get into later on. We won't get into that now, but it's awfully difficult these days to make a name for yourself in a new championship at the top levels of the sport. It's really no, no, not that much different in IndyCar. It is in Formula One. Mm. Formula One, you know, there's no testing nowadays other than the pre-season tests. Uh, you know, there's, there's two weeks of tests or three or four days of uh, two weeks prior to the start of the season. Then during the season, there's, I think there's two days, isn't there? Mm. Um, or one of which is actually after the end of the championship. So you know, there, there aren't the opportunities for rookie drivers to get in there and kind of you know, learn the, the craft of driving uh, a Formula One car and the same in an Indy car as well, because the limited, there's very, very limited in-season testing in Indy car, which kind of mimicked Formula One from that respect. There is a little bit more, but still not very much. And uh, you know, once the season gets underway, it's difficult for, for young drivers to make to, to make uh, make themselves comfortable in IndyCar to get ready for a full season, um, and you know if, if we we'll talk briefly about about next year, Oliver, Oliver Askew, for example, yeah, he's not going to be driving a car until, at all uh, until the beginning of next year, and it's the same for all of the drivers now. Yeah, with, with limited testing, it makes it very difficult for rookie drivers to make it to make a big splash. Uh, and in your view, Jeremy, as far as the the championship for rookies went. Felix Rosenquist, 425. Colton Herter for Harding at Steinbrenner Racing on 420. Then Santino Ferrucci for Dale Coyne, um, well back on 351, ahead of Marcus Eriksson on 290 and Patricio Award. Now, in fairness, only the first four of those that I've mentioned had full season event. Is that... Is that a fair summary? Did Felix do a better job than Colton or Santino or Marcus Eriksson? Yes, I think so. I, t- for me, it, the, the, uh, it worked out about right. Having said that, of course, Colton Herter won two races mm. uh, and Felix Rosenquist didn't win any. But certainly Rosenquist was uh, was more consistent than Colton Herter. Colton Herter on his day was absolutely stunning. Um, and uh, yeah, he had a great record all the way through the year. I mean, you, you, either of those two would have been a worthy winner, I think, of the rookie title. Um, and I, I guess you'd have to say yeah, Herter did win two races, so probably maybe would have deserved to, to win the thing overall. But it's that's not the way things are won. Uh, and I think Rosenquist was a deserving winner of the championship. You know, he hadn't driven an IndyCar in a race prior to this season. Colton at least did the one race at the end of last year where he was uh, a bit of a stud. He and Patricio Award were actually um, very, very impressive when they made their d- debuts at Sonoma. Um, and, you know, they, they had two very different seasons at Rosenquist and Herter this year. Herter is with a team that's... Uh, with uh, Harding Steinbrenner Racing, it was it was a, kind of a satellite Andretti organization. One of many. Um, one of many. Yes. Uh, um, so you know, he had a lot of engineering data to draw from, which is a big help for him, of course. Uh, so it wasn't just a simple one-car team mm. that you might uh, that it might kind of look at um, on the face of it. Uh, whereas Rosenquist, of course, he had um, a, a teammate in a guy called Scott Dixon, who is not too bad at this level of the sport, is he? So he had a lot, a lot of information from which to draw as well. So I think for both of them, it was a fairly even, even keel. Uh, Herter at least had more experience of the the way the races are run in North America. Rosenquist 
two or three years ago, he'd raced at Indy Lights, did a half a season of Indy Lights, and that, I think, was a big benefit to him coming into this championship, although even though he hadn't driven an Indy car in a race before this year, he did have ex- experience of, of some of the tracks and how the race meetings are, wor- are run over here, which I think is a big benefit. And and from that then, let, let's talk about the feeder series, Jeremy, if we may. Um, Indy Lights... They've struggled to get a decent grid, but that's not affected the racing in the last couple of years, and they have increased. They did increase the number of full-season entries uh, for 2019, and I know that you still believe that Indy Lights is a must-have on the CV of potential Indy drivers. Well, I really do. I mean, the the cars themselves, the the Lara chassis uh, is... uh... It's built like the Indy car by Dallara, and you can take your seat out of the Indy Lights car and pop it straight into wow. an Indy car. So you know, you, you, your comfort level is, is there to a degree right away. You then just got to use, get used to all the systems that the Indy car has that the Indy Lights doesn't. But you know, with the AER turbo engine, it's a really good little package as Indy Lights these days. Uh, it has been now for, for, since since they brought in a new car in 2015. Initially, there were some problems with the engine. Um, in terms of reliability and quality control, those have been ironed out now for a couple of years, and it's a tremendous package. You speak to any of the drivers who've driven it and then moved on up into an IndyCar, and it gives you exactly what you need in terms of driver development to get ready for the top step of the ladder. And all of the guys who've gone well in Indy Lights uh, um, have gone into an IndyCar and performed well. So uh, I think uh, numbers have been... You're crazy low the last couple of years. Yes, there were a couple more drivers or one more on a regular basis this season and a few more on occasion. Uh, next year, I think, is looking a bit stronger. There should be at least, I hope, double figures in Indy Lights next season. Um, so, but, but you know, I really don't understand why more people don't look to do it because I think it's it's reasonably cost-effective. It costs about a million dollars, a bit, bit less than a million dollars. But you compare that to Formula 2, for example, or even Formula 3, uh, FIA Formula 3, um, and... Yeah, it really does prepare you, I think, uh, extremely well for the top level, as does F2 in Europe, but but at uh, half the cost. What we're not seeing, Jeremy, and I wonder if this is a factor, is the full-time, full IndyCar teams, the NTT IndyCar teams, uh, a lot of them have have abandoned Indy Lights, and that's a shame for me. Yeah, it's not so much they haven't abandoned it, they just haven't, uh, they haven't taken up taking up the opportunity to, to run with it and I, I really don't done so I think it's really short sighted since man Andretti um, has dominated Indy Lights now for the last couple of seasons pretty much in certain terms of winning the championship certainly um, and it's paid off you, you look at Colton Herta look at uh, Pat- Patricio Ward he came through the Andretti organization uh, last year um, uh, in, in, in 2018 won the championship of course and you know he's he got into an Indy car right away. He's on the on 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 the pace. Same with Colton Herter. Same with all the other drivers who've done that. So I'm amazed that more Indy car teams don't make that investment in the future. And I'm hoping that something that Roger Penske might change. I mean, he's that that's a team that really should have been running a, an Indy Lights car for this for the last many years. I would hope now with him having taken over the IndyCar series. Again, that's something we're sure we'll talk yes. about a little bit later on. Uh, I think that's something he needs to be more proactive in. That, one of the things that Jay Fry has done since uh, taking over as CEO uh, is he has forged a tight, slightly tighter 
bond with Indy Lights. IndyCar owns the, the, the rights to Indy Lights. The series, however, is promoted by Anderson Promotions, which looks after all the, the levels on the, on, the, on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. And you, uh, so IndyCar, therefore, has a vested interest in yes. making sure that Indy Lights is, um, is successful. And it has been in terms of providing the drivers to move on up to the level. It has been in terms of the quality of the competition, which even though numbers have been slim the last two seasons, the quality of racing is absolutely superb. Um, so I'm hopeful that that will continue that uh, upward, upward trend again and just have a few, few more numbers just to kind of flesh out the fields a little bit so it makes it look a little bit better farther down the field. What you can't deny, Jeremy, about Indy Light in 2019 is the quality of competition at the front of the field with Oliver Askew and Renus Vike uh, fighting it out for Andretti and Juncos Racing. Tony Sowby, the rest of the best for HMD Motorsport, uh, another young Brit who has gone across to the States to try and uh, find his way. Ryan Norman... Robert McGuinness, David Malkus, um, all Americans in the next three spots for Andretti, Andretti and HMD. It's still a proving ground, isn't it? And it's st- and it's still showcasing the talent. And, you know, that's that has helped Oliver uh, in terms of his career. No question about it. I mean, you know, the quality at the front is is really stout. All but one of the of the, of the full season drivers this year finished on the podium. Uh, in at least one of the races it was the same last year actually last year 2018 not only did every single driver finish on the podium every one of them actually had a pole position as well uh, which is astonishing quite frankly that all seven drivers should have had at least one pole position and a podium this year uh, not quite uh, so uh, so spread out but i say all but one of them were on, was on the podium plus Aaron Tielitz did a, a handful of races in the, middle, in the middle of the season he won a race had a pole and another podium as uh, Zachary Clayman de Mello or Zach Clayman or whatever he calls himself from, from day to day he started off the year had a win and a couple of podiums so you know it, it was super competitive and at the front of the field again like last year it boiled down to a tremendous battle between Oliver Askew and Renus VK and you know they were back and forth all the through the year uh, i think oliver was a was a deserving winner but renus is a, is a star of the future as well no question about it when he first drove an indy car for uh, ed carpenter racing uh, he was um, on the case right away i mean really really impressive very special um and i think both of those two guys are special and i think they're both going to have a big future ahead of them and renus in particular as well not short of backing either because he's backed out of holland the netherlands in in europe uh, by uh, a gentleman who has backed a lot of of talent, including Max Verstappen, and you know, with the Jumbo Supermarkets, Jumbo Supermarkets brand, he's backed a lot of of uh, of uh, Dutch talent coming through. So th- there's an uh, there's a really good opportunity for both those two guys. And in fact, actually, when we go down through that ladder system, and one of the things I think that European listeners will struggle to understand is there is such a well defined ladder system in the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tyres, um, which we just don't have in Europe. It's a bit more diluted. There are more choices. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And 
there's, there's an irony that in the land of choices where you can go into a supermarket and have 152 different types of milk or orange juice, that we do have a really good ladder system for the roads to Indy. And if you look at Indy Pro 2000, which is the next step down from Indy Lights, two points at the end of the season decided the championship in the favour of Kyle Kirkwood uh, for RP Motorsports, young American driver, uh, over Junkos Racing again, so runner-up in two championships for for Junkos, uh, uh, and uh, Rasmus Lind uh, with Parker Thompson, the Canadian driver, uh, a little bit further back down the down the order. But again, a cracking year for that development championship. It, 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 again, you're right, because you know, the quality there was really good. Indy Lights um, you know, is well-established now. For Indy Pro 2000, it used to be called... Uh, uh, Pro Mazda and then Star Mazda before that. Uh, they brought in a new car for the 2018 season, um, and again there were, there were a few niggle, niggles with with the uh, with the package initially, but those have pretty much been ironed out now. They've actually had some 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 more towards the end of this year, which they definitely got to handle on for next year. But that that car package is really really good. I mean the cars are fast, they look good, yeah. uh, they sound good, they race really really well. And you know, Carl Kirkwood, he's had just a stunning last couple of years he's he won in 2018 he won both the uh formula three championship over here which is not very strongly uh fought out but he he, he dominated it he also won usf 2000 the previous year he won uh, four as well so he's just had an incredible few years Kyle he's, he's won a ridiculous number of races he's most definitely a, a star to watch in the future rasmus lint from sweden again very very talented i think he stepped up one year too soon from my perspective up into indy pro he should have stayed another year in usf he's a youngster but again super talented very quiet uh, but super talented young man, and I think he would have been. I think he would have benefited a bit more by staying one more year at a lower level, winning the championship, but then moving on from there. But you. you know, he, he lets you to move on up. He was beaten by Kirkwood again, but he pushed him really, really closely. But Kirkwood kind of started off on the back foot because his deal with RP Motorsport was only done literally ten days before the start of the season. So he had one test at Homestead prior to the championship and he was kind of on the back foot he had a he had a, a DNF in the first race uh, but he he was fast right away but had a few uh, a, a couple of DNFs in the first four races which put him back in the championship standing so he had to make me you know, make a comeback from there but towards the end of the year he's pretty much unbeatable in fact the only two times he didn't win out of the last uh, 10, 11 or 12 races was when he was t- taken out by his, ironically by his teammate <laughs> which is a bit uh, a bit embarrassing but no uh, a worthy championship uh, therefore, another another well-deserved championship for Carl Kirkwood. Uh, and talking about USF 2000, and by the way, what's the difference then, Jeremy, between Indy Pro 2000 and USF 2000? Different cars? Basically, same chassis, actually. The, the basic chassis is the same. It's from Tatus. Right. It's, it's effectively the, the regional uh, car, as it's, as it's known now in Europe. It's an F, F3 level car. Uh, it's the same chassis. Uh, and from USF 2000 to Pro Mazda, it's got bigger tyres, more power, different engine, more aerodynamics. It's just a more sophisticated car right. uh, and, and quite a bit faster as well. And it's a really good intermediary step. It's certainly uh, on, on most road tracks a, a good bit quicker and more sophisticated than the old car it replaced a couple of years ago. And that's been a really, really good move. It's a nice car, that Tadus. Uh, and in that USF 2000 championship, again, two drivers to talk about who were standout and uh, battled for the whole uh, season with 
uh, in second place. Uh, the man from the Gold Coast, Australia, although spent the season living in Los Angeles, uh, that was Hunter McElray. He was second in the championship. And Brandon Eves, another, and, and this is great, another American driver, wins the championship by, what, five points at the end of the year. It was a, again. It was a great championship. Uh, Braden Eves, uh, all the top three were so all Braden rookies. Eves, Braden Eves, Hunter McElroy, uh, and and Christian Rasmussen, who who's also really impressive, and and was super strong at the end of the, of the year. He struggled early on. It didn't help. He was taken out uh, with a mistake by um, actually by Braden Eves' teammate in the second round of the race, the second round of the championship in Saint Petersburg. Um, Rasmussen was uh, was was looking good there. Um, and he was taken out by Darren Keane, who made a mistake on the last corner and took them both out. Uh, so that enabled Braden Eves to come through and win that race. Uh, so Rasmussen was kind of on the back foot after that. But all three of them are really, really talented. Eves, he came into the year, he did he did one race at the end of the previous season uh, in Portland and impressed right away. He qualified in the top half dozen. Unfortunately, got taken out, I think, on the first lap of the race. But uh, he, he showed his capabilities there. Mm. He was also actually a Team USA scholarship winner mm. at the, in 2018, but he wasn't able to take up that opportunity because he needed surgery from a, an injury that he'd sustained earlier on. But uh, the, the talent was, uh, was there, he, and he, he took advantage of an early stage of the season, won the first four races, Struggled a little bit in the middle of the year, but they came right back strong at the end. And tell you what, the way he won that championship at uh, at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca in the fast, last couple of races of the season was astonishing because Hunter McElroy, who's he's, he's big, tall lad, he's about six foot four, six foot five. He's, he's massively tall, but super talented, super nice guy. Worked really, really hard. Uh, and a sequence of three wins in a second had put him into the championship lead going into the finale. Unfortunately, uh, he then had a problem in the final qualifying session, had to start at the back of the pack. Braden Eves, I think he qualified fourth for the final race, knew he had to win it and pulled off the move of the season, the passing move of the season at the first corner to take the lead and control the race from there and ended up winning the championship by five points. Uh, it's heartbreaker for, for Hunter McElroy, just done a brilliant job. Um, what a way to win a championship, though, Jeremy. If you're going to win well, a championship with yeah. an overtake, do it like that. Exactly right. He was stunning. It was a tremendous drive, and you, you, you can't say he didn't, didn't uh, deserve it. He won more races than anybody else did, Braden Eves, and, and was a, a good champion. But to tell you what, Christian Rasmussen from, from Denmark finished in the third place um, to have with three different teams representing the top three at the end. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future as well. Uh, you're listening to our review of the NTT IndyCar season, although we've featured only the rookies in that championship and the roads to uh, Indy presented by Cooper Tyres Series, Indy Lights, Indy Pro 2000 and USF 2000 here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. John Hindoff and Jeremy Shaw providing the insights. Now, Jeremy mentioned there, as we move back to the NTT IndyCar Series for 2019, he mentioned Team USA. Now, you'll have heard Jeremy and I, if you have listened at all uh, to our programmes, Midweek Motorsport, or indeed to IMSA Radio, you'll have heard us talking about the, the Team USA scholarship down through the years. 2019 was how many years of, of Team USA, Jeremy? Uh, 30 Yes. 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 Of course, so. you started it when you were very young, very young yes. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. In the cradle. Yes. Baby in arms. Baby in arms. Twenty nineteen. 
30th anniversary year for Team USA Scholarship and a banner year. You've already mentioned some of the alumni who did well in the uh, Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tyres. And once again, the championship winner of the NTT IndyCar Championship is a, a Team USA alumni, second win on the year for Joseph Newgarden. We'll come to him and the rest of the championship in a moment. But an absolute banner year for Team USA, Jeremy. Well done. Well, yeah, thanks. It, it's uh, it was fairly astonishing to see all you know all the drivers sweep all of the uh, the major open wheel drive uh, tr- championships in the US. That was quite astonishing, uh, and quite a few others had success in sports cars as well, including, of course, Dane Cameron winning the uh, IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship. So it has been an incredible year. But uh, yeah, it just shows that there are some talented young American drivers out there, uh, which uh, I think all too often they tend to get overlooked. Yes, but um, you know the, the talent is in this country and there is the dedication to moving on up the ladder and you know while it might not be formula one uh the uh, the quality of drivers i believe in indycar is not far behind the formula one and certainly the quality overall is, is well very well worthy of a, a major open wheel championship and you're driving for a manufacturer and a sponsor and therefore the levels not only of driving talent, but how you present yourself and how you work within the industry are just as high as if you're working with a manufacturer in WEC or IMSA or indeed in Formula One. And that's important as well at Team USA. Yeah, very much so. The drivers have got to be, they've got to be able to handle themselves in and out of the car. And, you know, that's if you look at people like Oliver Askew and, and, and Joseph Newgarden, of course, you know, they are, you know, tremendous representatives. They've, they've learned coming up through the ranks, you know, what it takes to become a top-line driver. And so when they get up to that top level, you know, there's no real real surprises and they're able mm. to maximise their, their opportunity. Well, congratulations, Jeremy, to you and all the supporters of Team USA for, as I said, a banner year. I know there's an awful lot of work goes on uh, behind the scenes and you can celebrate with the man, Joseph Newgarden, uh, his second championship, four wins, two poles on the year. Uh, at the end, 641 to 616 points look rather more substantial than it perhaps was over his uh, Team Penske teammate. You can't knock the captain this year. The Penske boys uh, were out there in front with the uh, the GM, the Chevy engines, um, which we'll talk about as well in a moment but let's first of all let's talk about Joseph and his his season it wasn't perfect but it was good enough more than good enough actually it was uh, yeah it, it was a tough season there's no question I think that um yeah the, the top three teams Andretti in no particular order Andretti Ganassi and and Penske well that was in alphabetical uh, order so that was perfect was. Jeremy yes, well done actually yes I ended, I ended up swinging that went that way uh, but you know they were the, they were the teams to beat this season there were other teams on their day could challenge but on a regular basis you knew that at least uh, at least uh, one or two of their of each of those teams drivers was going to be right up at the sharp end of the field um, how, that's not to say there weren't other challenges because there were mm. on a on a on a on a uh, pretty regular basis but uh, those three teams you know, came out on top uh, as usual um, and it was a great battle you know, each of them had a strong driver lineup so you had to not only to beat your teammates but you've also, also got to beat those other top two teams as well and so joseph you know he, he played the numbers right it started off well with a win 
at uh, St. Petersburg. That's a great way to start a championship, of course. And he was able to keep that going all the way through. And uh, as you say, there were some missteps along the way. But, uh, you know, one of them came at Mid-Ohio, I particularly remember, yes. which was round 13 out of 17, where he made a completely unnecessary challenge on Ryan hunter Ray on the last lap uh, and cost himself what, about 10 positions? So that made things a lot more precarious going to the final few races of the season. So take that mistake away, and it would have been a fair bit easier for him. Um, so I think no no question that Joseph earned that championship, deserved it. And uh, when it came down to crunch time at the end at, uh, at WeatherTech Raceway, he did he did the job that he needed to do. A better championship win, and that's hard to compare, but a better championship win than his, than his maiden victory a couple of seasons ago? Uh, yeah, they were both well, both well earned. You know, I don't think one of them was any better than the other necessarily. Um, but more hard this one, fought, perhaps this year. Yeah, yeah, perhaps so. Perhaps so. There were probably more challenges. You know, at the, the uh, at the sharp end towards the end. You know, the top five were sort of in contention most of the way through the championship. I guess Will had taken himself out with some Will Power taking himself out with some problems in the middle of the year. But uh, yeah, the, in terms of challenging at the front of the field on a regular basis you know they're all up there all of the time mm. and i think joseph you know he, he having won that first championship in 2016 he knew how to go about winning a championship again and you know he made sure he didn't uh, make too many mistakes that one at mid was glaring yes. but other than that uh, you'd struggle to find too many well and that's the point isn't it it was glaring because there were so few of them you can always have a tough race and things can go wrong that you're not in control and the team's not in control of uh, even for team Penske but that one really stood out because it was so unusual Simon Pagino in second place uh, with three wins and three pulls on the uh, the Frenchman really his year fantastic month of May I, I mean just uh, f- unbelievable month of May couldn't put a foot wrong no uh, that was absolutely f- you're right you're right it was the, that's um it, it was the perfect month of May for, for mm. Simon and um you know he 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 won another couple of races during the season. So, you know, three wins is, is pretty good in a series this strong where it is so open. Um, he uh, he was probably perhaps slightly fortunate to hit, finish ahead of Rossi in the championship at the end of the day. But, um, you know, he, you certainly couldn't say he didn't earn it. But those two double points races, you know, the Indianapolis where, of course, he won. Uh, and then the, the final race where he finished uh, in, uh, in, the, in the top four as well. Uh, they were important for his for his championship aspirations, and that's what enabled him eventually to come out ahead of Alexander Rossi in the battle for second. Tell you what, you know, I mean, because it's so open this championship. I was trying to look at the, the qualifying positions yeah. for the drivers, and if you uh, the, the top three qualifiers this season were Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, and Alexander Rossi, and if you add up the starting positions or, or take the average from them. There was, they were basically those three absolutely identical. They, they were an average of uh, about half a, of a, of a position ahead. Even though Dixon of, uh, didn't willpower. get any, even though Dixon didn't get any polls. You know, that, and that's, a, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because Scott Dixon, he had 11 times. He was in the Firestone top six, which is yeah. the, the final shootout that goes to the pole. He, nobody else made it more than 10. Uh, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, they all made the top six on 10 occasions. Dixie made it in 11, wow. but as you say, without actually winning a pole. So uh, it's, it's, those things, like, to me, are really interesting. And I think you know, that consistency 
all of those guys finished well up in the championship. Yeah. Colton Herter, you know, he was in the top uh, six on eight occasions, as was Simon Pagano. Yes. But uh, they, they were a long, long, long way two, back. Yeah, exactly. But they were a long, long way back in terms of the consistency, in terms of qualifying. And, and that's interesting because what you're talking about there is not, oh, I'm having a really good day, oh, I've had a really bad day. You're talking about averaging that out over a season, like looking at a, a soccer league over... 40 games you know you're looking over the whole season and saying you've got to be there and you've got to grind out those qualifying uh, those qualifying uh, positions and those results whether your car's really there or not yeah that's it exactly right and you know, I think you know, that's it, it shows a uh, it shows the that's where the quality really does shine through. And yeah. you know, all three of those guys, their average starting position was 5.8. Uh, Simon Pagano was 6.4 uh, in, in the fourth best qualifying average through the season. So, um, you know, that to me, uh, those are telling statistics. Penske with first and second in the Drivers' Championship, obviously. Um, the two Chevy-powered cars then... Uh, ahead of the field, the best of the Hondas was Alexander Rossi for Andretti Autosport, who spread them. Did 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 Andretti Autosport spread themselves too thin, Jeremy, with running some of these satellite teams? Um, eight points was was all it was from second place for Alexander Rossi. Two wins, two poles, but I mean he's a divisive character. Not everybody in the paddock likes him. Not all the spectators uh, like him. I see more tweets pro and anti Alex than possibly any other driver in the NTT uh, IndyCar Championship. He had some stellar drives. You sort of winced sometimes when you watched what he what he was doing. But as I say, was he not helped in some respects? Was he, uh, was he hindered by Andretti Autosport maybe spreading themselves too thin? No, I don't think you could say that. Uh, I think uh, he just... Uh, the fact that... There were so many, you know, with Ryan under Ray, who, who sort of struggled for parts of the season, but was super quick on his day. Again, they just lacked that bit, a little bit of consistency that Penske has generally tended to have, I think. And, mm. and uh, you yeah, when he had a bad day, Alexander, it, it was a really bad day. Um, you know, the Indy GP didn't go well for him. He started toward the back of the pack and finished right at the back as well. That was, that was one of his worst days through the year. Um, you know, he... Uh, uh, unlike uh, the other top drivers, he, he never got a fastest race lap either. Oh, now, really? the fastest race lap is not really that important in Indy there's no points for it, but the, the, the only one driver had more than two fastest laps during the season, and again, that was the champion, Joseph Newgarden. He had four. Um, but Alex, so... in some case, I mean, I, I watched as much as I could of IndyCar this year because I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good season, and I enjoyed it last year as well. And it always seemed to me as though Alex Rossi, one of the most aggressive and fastest drivers on the grid, was often on a fuel save. Let's try and do something different kind of strategy with the, the Andretti team, which, which interesting that you mentioned about the, the fastest race lap. And I'm not sure that suits his character as a driver. Yeah, no, that's that. I think that's a fair comment. Uh, Hondas, yeah, it, there, there was there wasn't a lot to choose between Honda and Chevrolet this season, but certainly I think on the ovals the Chevrolet tended to have the, the a slight advantage, and perhaps on the road courses the Hondas did. Mm. There are more uh, road course races than ovals, uh, and that's one of the reasons why Honda 
won the uh, the manufacturers championship but uh, you know the the the, the honours between those two manufacturers were fairly tight mm. yeah very tight very tight indeed it's eight eight wins to nine actually chevrolet had nine wins uh, to the eight of honda mm. but um for, for chevrolet apart from penske um you know, the, the the backup there was was a little bit a little bit slim. Ed Carpenter's team was was the second best uh, Chevrolet team, uh, and Spencer Bigger had had a good year. But the, the Hondas had more strength in depth, and that certainly helped them to win that Manufacturers Championship. But uh, it it was a tight battle all the way through between those two. Well, we've mentioned Team Penske, we've mentioned Alexander Rossi for Andretti Autosport, Chip Ganassi Racing, their top finisher in fourth on 578 points with two wins on the season. But as we've mentioned, no pulls, but top qualifying uh, Scott Dixon in there. And I remember talking to you and Shea on Midweek Motorsport through the season and neither of you really wanting to ever write Dixie off. Didn't have a great... Start of the season, it came good in the middle, but you you, you don't want to write him off. And but for a couple well, of really bad results, he would have been even more competitive this year. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean just, no, the season did start off well. He, he had a uh, I can't remember what happened to him at Circuit of the Americas, but other than that, he, he was on the podium in, in four of the right. first five races. That's right, so he was, yeah. it was a really strong year for him. Then then came Indy. That was a struggle. It was a struggle for Hondas. Definitely, Chevrolet's had the edge at Indy, um, and then he had a he had a problem also in Detroit as well. Yes, in the did. first race in Detroit, uh, which uh, uh, and then two races after that in Texas too. So two DNFs there that that cost him de- those two results or three results cost him. Dearly. In between of that was the was the win in race two in Detroit. That kind of got his season back on track again. Uh, but it was those uh, those three, not quite early, but you know mid to early season that um, that, that that cost him a, a chance of going for another championship. But yeah, the guy was fast all the way through. He was always qualifying best. I can say he, he was on uh, among the uh, the he, he had he had more podiums than anybody else. Dixie did with ten. Uh, he was on the on the uh, top six in qualifying more than anybody else, only by one over the others. But again, it was a really strong season for Dixie. And But for those uh, cup results, and particularly Indianapolis, he would have been right up there in the championship. Fourth position in the championship as we work through the NTT IndyCar uh, series for 2019 with Jeremy Shaw here on this special programme. Fifth position in the championship, Jeremy. Another team Penske runner, so they've got three out of the top five. Just underlining how good their package was with the Chevrolet engine uh, and a driver who's been a champion who's won the Indy 500 and the most extraordinary stat about fifth place willpower is that he's won a race in every season going back to 2007 so he's there or thereabouts but was he there and thereabouts enough this year well, at the end of the day, no, he wasn't. Uh, and that's why he finished fifth in the points. But it, it was another super strong season from Will. You know, he's he, he is, he's a mercurial, mercurial character, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, started off the season with two pole positions. Uh, wasn't uh, in a row, both at St. Petersburg and Circuit of the Americas. Uh, was third on the grid at Long Beach. And his best result out of those first four races was was a third at St. Pete. You know, that's not what he would have would have uh, would have wanted from those first four races. That kind of set the tone. There was there were certainly several mistakes. You know, five times during the year he finished out the top, outside the top fifteen. And when consistency is so important, that's not going to win you a championship. So you know, the the good news for Will is he came back strong. He was motivated at the end of the year. Uh, had a couple of wins late on in the season. 
So that uh, would have would have helped his psyche, I think, going into yes. 2020. Uh, there's no doubt Will can get the job done again. You know, he's he's not lost any of his motivation, his speed, his desire. It's all still there. But there were there were certainly a few too many mistakes and 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 otherwise just things that didn't go his way. Just what could go wrong did go wrong. It seemed in the early part of the year. Uh, in sixth position, we've mentioned the rookie of the year. Felix Rosenquist, another Chip Ganassi racing driver. Sixth for a rookie. All right, he's a rookie to IndyCar. There's a lot to learn. He's an experienced racing driver. Uh, Honda Power again for Chip Ganassi, of course. Um, With Colton Herter only those five points further back for the Honda-powered Harding Steinbrenner racing car. And then five points further back from that, Ryan hunter uh, for Andretti and Takuma Sato five points back from that for Rahal Letnam and Lanigan Racing. That little group there, Jeremy, very close for the whole season. And in fact, of course, those points, um, really, that all went to the last couple of races of the year with the way that the championship played out. It, it did. And that uh, double double points finale for Colton Herter, they jumped him all the way up from... Um, well, round about the top 10, up into seventh position. So, you know, that was big for him. Um, he, he, he had, you know, that, that, he started off the season absolutely superbly with a good strong run at St. Petersburg uh, for Colton, where he finished in, you know, in, inside the top 10 comfortably, then won brilliantly at, at Circuit America. So that was a tremendous drive, really, really well earned. But after that, there were four DNFs in a row. Yeah. Some were his fault, some weren't. Um, and again, he was a bit like that through the season, which you would expect for a rookie. But on his day, you know, man, was he impressive. I mean, he, he was the youngest, became the youngest ever race winner in IndyCar when he took that victory at, at Circuit Americas. He also became the youngest ever pole sitter when he took the pole at Road America. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there were, there were no flukes this season for Colton. It was an up and down year, but for a rookie... Uh, and, and a proper rookie, it was uh, it was very very impressive. Felix Rosenquist, yes, did finish ahead of him in the points, and yes, certainly you know Felix has been around the sport a long long time, but but not really at this level. You know he's done Formula E, he's won races there, he's done uh, top level sports car racing for sure, uh, but you know he, he certainly hadn't raced in Formula One, and to come over to to IndyCar and do the job that he did, I think everybody expected him to be at the top of the of the rookie charts going into the year and he ended up you know, clinching that at the, at the final round but it was a really really good, really good season for the both of them I, I seem to remember Felix got a lot of finishes he, he didn't get any wins but he got finishes and getting the car home and taking the points that's on offer sometimes I mean that is how you win championships ask ask Scott Dixon uh, for that one um let's let's talk a little bit about Ryan Hunter and Takuma Sato um Ryan Hunter no wins no polls on the season for Andretti Racing, uh, Andretti Autosport, excuse me. Uh, and Real Letnam and Lanigan, um, best position was Takuma Sato in ninth position with two wins and two pulls. Two, I won't call them old stages, Jeremy, but they are well known in the NTT IndyCar series. And I, I, I can't think that Ryan Hunter here will be, will be delighted uh, with his season. No, it was a difficult season for Ryan. Um, and, and again, it was it was probably the qualifying that uh, that let him down on 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 a regular basis. I mean, he started off fairly well. He was in the top top uh, uh, top five of the grid in each of the first two races. But then uh, after that, it wasn't until Detroit where he got himself among the fast and top six again. Mm. Uh, and he only did it uh, after that, uh, you know, on on a couple of occasions. So 
that wasn't that was his 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 problems for Ryan Andre was basically qualifying. Generally, he raced well. Once again, though, he had absolutely no luck. That seems <laughs> to be a, a regular occurrence for poor Ryan because he is a heck of a driver. Um, you know, and top ten finish in the championship, it, it's pretty good, but it's not what he. Uh, certainly deserved, I think, from this year. He deserved much better than that and would expect much more than that of himself. And you say, not having a win or, or, or a pole position. Did get a fastest lap, did have a, 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 a couple of podium finishes. So it, it could have been worse, but it, it certainly would have been, would have expected to be a lot better as well. Two, and two for, for, for Takuma, Takuma yeah. yeah, Takuma, again, he was all over the map. Yeah. Some days he was nowhere, uh, got vilified for that crash at uh, at Pocono, yes. uh, which was... Uh, which was unfortunate and i think most people will agree now it was not deserved that he should be the, the man to take to take the fall for that horrible crash uh, but uh, you know to bounce back a week later and win at gateway i mean that was that just shows you i think what uh, how indycar uh, is and how how mercurial it is you can be down one minute and, and on top of the world the next uh, and, and fair to him and the team, by the way, for having the mental resolve to do that. All right, you know, it's got to fall for you as well. But there'd have been plenty of drivers who would have been really put up with that and put off by that. And particularly by the, you said vilified. That was a good word, Jeremy, because there was a lot of vitriol directed towards Takuma after after that crash. Yeah, particularly from, from Alexander Rossi. Uh, I think it has to be said, um, he was the guy who pinned... Uh, Pin the blame totally on Takuma Sato, and uh, I think he was sort of, I think he was getting a bit of ahead of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was it was just sort of one of those things that happened. It, I don't think I don't think personally anybody was was wholly to blame for that. It was just a question of each of the drivers should have, uh, particularly two guys on the outside. I think it was Ryan Hunter Ray was in the middle once right. again, wrong place, wrong time for Ryan. Uh, but the two guys on on either side. Um, I mean, the guy on the outside is up against the wall, but he wasn't uh, that. And that was Alexander Rossi. He wasn't, uh, excuse me, that was uh, Takuma Sato. He wasn't totally up against the wall. Uh, perhaps he could have been. But, but you know, the guy who's making the move on the inside, that's Alexander Rossi. And he's the guy who's got to be um, cognizant of the fact that there are two guys um, to, to his outside heading into turn two on the first lap of the race. You know, that's uh, not the place really you want to be. The spotters, all the teams have... I think they always have two spotters at Pocono. Yes, they do. Um, so, uh, you know, there's... But again, it, it's a big, long track. It's two and a half miles. You know, it, you, you, there wasn't a spotter close by there. And again, the speeds they're going, even on the first lap, you know, it's that's the sort of thing that's going to happen, unfortunately. And, and it did. And and uh, and it was uh, it was Sato who took, uh, took most of the blame. But, but, you know, I think it was... He, he, only his life experience and his racing experience was was what enabled him to come right. back and win that race the following weekend. And and everybody, I think, I think that was probably the most popular win of the season. Yeah. Other than perhaps Colton Herder was was certainly pretty popular as well. But I think just about everybody was delighted for Takuma when he came away to win that race at uh, Gateway, particularly after in the early in the year at Barber, a dominant performance there, winning from the pole. Yeah, exactly right. Um, the next group of three drivers, I, I'd like to start with 10th position. Uh, the teammate at Takuma Sato and Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. Graham Rahal finished on 389 points. 387 for Sebastian Bordier for Dale Coyne Racing with Vassar Sullivan. And James Hinchcliffe on 370. Uh, in terms 
terms of the points, not much to choose between these drivers. There's a lot of experience there, Jeremy, and there will be a lot of introspection, I would have thought, in the close season from Graham, Sebastian and James Hinchcliffe because none of those three drivers will think that 10th, 11th uh, and 12th and whatever it was, you know, uh, 300 points or so uh, off the uh, lead of the championship is good enough for them. No, I mean, Graham Rahal, you know, three times only did he qualify amongst the fast and top six, uh, you know, top top uh, three rows of the grid. That's just not good enough for somebody of his experience. Uh, the team was 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 good. I mean, you know, Takuma Sato is his teammate. He was only he was in the top six, I think, maybe five or six times uh, during the season. So again, not a lot. They 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 really didn't get a handle on the cars in qualifying like they would do. You know, Rahul always races well. Yes. Did again, did again this season. But again, you know, he had, he had uh, too many, too many dramas. He had what four DNFs during the season, um, and again that cost him dearly. Sebastian Bourdais, the Frenchman, um, lot of experience in the championship. Dale Coin Racing, uh, not one of the banner teams, but they've had their day in the past. They just didn't have one this year. No, they they struggled this season. I mean, you know, it was um, again on his day. You know, Sebastian Bourdais, he's fantastic. You know, and he qualified in the top half dozen, you know, as many times as Ray Hall and Sato with that with a small team coin that you know, doesn't have the resources that the big boys have, including Ray Hall, uh, Ray Hall, uh, Letterman, Lanigan in that as well. Um, you know, that's not the most well-funded team, but it's certainly they, they've got what they need. Uh, for Coins team, you know, it's it's a small operation. They, uh, but but they do have good engineering there. They have good drivers. Uh, and uh, for Bordet, you know, it was again it was an up and down season. He was involved in a few more too many incidents, I think, during the year for his own good. Uh, for James Hinchcliffe, yeah, it was a disappointing year for James. No question, just the one podium. That was really the only. The only good good point for James, because everything else was a bit of a struggle. It's been a, a tough couple of three years for Arrow Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, as it was in 2019. That's all going to change, of course, with the McLaren input for, for 2020. And I wonder if that'll turn the fortunes of the team around. It'll do so without... James Hinchcliffe if it does because he's going to be paid not to drive uh, in 2020 as, as far as, as we're aware um, it does seem to me as though Sam's team's been in transition for a couple of seasons and you really can't afford that in a championship that's so competitive as the NTT IndyCar series No that's true um, uh, but yeah, I mean James you know, he caught 10 times out of the 17 races he qualified in the top 10 yeah that's not bad um, and he generally shaded Marcus Ericsson, his teammate in qualifying, uh, uh, and, and in the races as well, of course. Uh, yeah, Marcus is, is no slouch. Um, it was a steep learning curve for him. He didn't have any experience at all over here mm. in the United States before joining that team for this season. So it was certainly a battle for both of those two. And I think you know, the fact that there wasn't another top liner in the team to help James and Marcus was was probably to the team's detriment. I think, you know, James is he a top liner? You'd struggle to say that probably, um, but certainly he would have expected to and and was a regular top ten qualifier, just not a to- regular top ten finisher. Mm. Um, and uh, again, both of those two got themselves involved in various scrapes during the season. Some of them were, were their own making, and some of them weren't. Uh, but certainly, once again, Indianapolis 
was a uh, a struggle for James, uh, and to come away with an 11th place finish there was actually you know pretty good under the circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, that was a downer because yeah, they, they he would have expected it to, to to run strongly again there despite the problems of the previous year, uh, and it really did, didn't happen for him. He, to be to be fair to him, he bounced back well after that because each of the next four races qualified in the top ten. He was fifth on the grid in Detroit, uh, but again, you know, two of those four next four races. Uh, he was uh, taken out in incidents. So, you know, again, an unfortunate season for James. And you know, the, the way it ended up, you know, being dropped by the team well after the end of the season. Well, that was just that was just wrong. I think the way that was handled was 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 pretty poor. A, a, a team we'll have to see with obviously the the input from Shilda Farron and, and McLaren uh, next year and, and how that it's effectively going to be a new team, isn't it? And we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. Uh, moving into 13th, 14th, 15th uh, and uh, 16th, the next four go from 351 points down to 303. And are Santino Ferrucci, who we've talked about in the rookie, Spencer Pickett for Ed Carpenter Racing, uh, Tony Canaan, Evergreen uh, TK, and Marco Andretti. Well, Santino has a future, no doubt about that. Uh, we've talked about him in the rookie championship. Deal coin. We've yeah, we, we didn't talk about we didn't really talk about Santino much, did we? I suppose no. when we talked about the rookies. I mean, he was he certainly he certainly caught the eye this season. Uh, he had a couple of spectacular avoidances of other people's incidents, um, and he made some bold passes as well. But he also made some pretty stupid mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I, th- I think to Gateway in particular. Yes. Um, just two races before the end of the season, and he took out the championship leader there, yes, uh, Joseph Newgarden. New, yeah, Newgarden. Uh, yeah. yeah, and twice Newgarden had waved him past because he 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 knows he knows what a loose cannon. Santino can be, uh, and then, um, but each time he, he fell back, Frucci fell back again, and, and the final time he tried to pass Joseph, it was just a dive bomb attempt. He took out the championship leader. That's not, not the sort smart. of respect I think you should be showing at all. No. So, and he comes in with a reputation that's not great. Well, He's been given another chance here, and yeah. you know, I. I, I I don't want to dwell on what he's done in the past because that's not what we're talking about here. But there's yeah. no doubt that people know what he is and what he's done. And you'd like to think that, you know, down at Dale Coin Racing, he's been given a bit of a hand on the shoulder. And right, oh, son, let's see what you can do here. And frankly, to be honest, Jeremy, for the most part, he's all right. But you just get that odd thing like Gateway where you go, oh, really? Have you learned nothing? Because you know what's going to happen. All of your past is going to get dragged up. And whether that's fair or not isn't, isn't what I need to discuss here. But his past is going to get dragged up every time he does something that is silly. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. And yeah, I mean, he, he did race very, very well. No mm-hmm. question about it. I mean, hats off to him. He made some fantastic, spectacular passes during the season. He kind of be- became the sort of second Alex Rossi. If yes, you like, because good, good uh, analogy. Over the last couple of years, you know, if, if there's somebody been right up against the wall making passes on the outside, it used to be Tony Canaan, then it was Alexander Rossi this year, but you'd say it was Santino Frucci. Massively impressive. But, uh, you know, two, two DNFs in the last two races of the season hurt him. Uh, spectacularly in the championship meant he finished a long way behind the other top two rookies whereas he had a good good chance there to finish right up with them particularly after apart from that that silly move on on new garden it was a brilliant run at gateway i mean he led laps there uh, finished in the fourth position uh, and it was it was well deserved but you know the telling thing for me just once a, apart from gateway did he qualify among the top 10 yeah. uh, in, in a race 
Um, so I think that just shows you know, you've still got uh, quite a lot of work to do. Spencer Piggott, Jeremy, Ed Carpenter Racing, 335 points in the championship, finishes 14th. And if we're talking about people that uh, had no luck this year, <laughs> you've got to add Spencer in there. I mean, once again, he's another, he, he is renowned amongst the, amongst the grid as one of the best overtakers in the business. Yeah. A, a bunch of times, you know, he, he might not have qualified well, but he came up through the field and just made some spectacular passes. Um, I think in particular Portland, he was, he was tremendous towards the end of the year. Uh, he just didn't get the results that he, that he no question deserved. Um, and um, I think it's a, a kind of a travesty that he's been let go now. You know, he, he was um, among the top 10 uh, in, in qualifying several times, among the top, fast and top six on uh, four or five occasions. Uh, and you know, deserved, I think, a lot more than he ended up with the end of this year. So 14th position for Spencer is kind of where his average finishing position yes. is, but not where he deserved to be. Made it through to the big leagues uh, as a bit of a poster child for the for the ladder system. Um, Indy Lights, Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000, uh, champion twice uh, in those categories in Indy Pro in 2014 and 2015. And in Indy Lights for, it was Yunkos, wasn't it? He drove for there as well. Yes, it was. Um, and you've got to say what happens to a driver like this when... He's had a season like that. He's got nowhere to go. Where does he go? That's 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 the big worry, isn't it? it, it big worry, yeah. And he, he indeed he was the poster child for for the for the road to India. He won uh, he won four scholarships to get up at the IndyCars. I mean, he doesn't come from a wealthy family. No. His dad Barry was a Formula Ford racer back in the UK mm-hmm. back in the seventies, along with the, the Nigel Mansell era. Um, and and uh, Barry he had, he he emigrated to the states in the in the early eighties. Uh, so yeah, Spencer's you know fully American now, uh, but you know then it's not a wealthy family. He made it to the top level on talent alone and and winning those scholarships. Now, having been having had, I am told a hand a, a, at the very least a handshake deal to remain with the team next season. There's certainly all the indications were that Spencer was going to be back. He'd done more than enough to to justify his place in the team for next year, but then uh, some of the financials changed the dead carpenter racing mm. and uh, they needed somebody uh, with some with some money in there which uh, which renus vk was able to bring and uh, and so uh, he got the nod over spencer in that number 20 car for next season i'm not saying renus vk doesn't deserve it, it he's, it's not as if he's buying spencer piggott out of a ride because uh, he's proved his talent on the way up but uh, that was the determining factor there as to whether or not spencer would retain his ride he was told awfully late in the game that uh, having, 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 I'd say, having had the nod that he was going to be back again, uh, didn't need to look for money. You know, everything was was hunky dory. And all of a sudden, uh, yeah. two or three weeks ago, he finds himself without a ride. So it's going to be awfully difficult now to, to get himself back in the frame. But yeah, he is certainly deserving of a of a top line ride. Another great uh, American road racer, no doubt there, Spencer Piggott, who is looking for a ride. Uh, Brazilian legend Tony Canan, AJ Foyt. Um, I mean, how long has he been around now? Unbelievable amount of uh, of time. Um, when does he go back to? 300 consecutive starts heading into this season, uh, which was his second for uh, AJ Foyt. 14th position for Tony. Uh, the question I've got to ask is how much longer can Tony keep doing this? And, and the answer that I suppose Tony would give me is as long as I'm breathing, hanged off. 
Yeah, quite. I mean, it was a it was a, a year to forget for TK because, you know, the, the de- desire is still there. He can still race well. He had a super run at Gateway, mm-hmm. finished on the podium. Yes. yes, there was a bit of, bit of luck involved there, but he certainly was he was fast there. Uh, he he can be fast on his day, no question about it. But for some reason, once again. Uh, AJ Foyt Racing was just uh, not able to give him a, a representative car, so uh, so he ended up in the fifteenth in the points. Um, yeah, again, not much you could say. You know, every every dog has his day, and maybe TK's is, is coming toward a close. But it would be a shame because he's certainly a great character to have around. His experience is good, but it wasn't enough to to to, to bring that team any tangible results at all. For Marco Andretti, oh gosh, yeah, what do you say? I mean. It's just bizarre. That, well, Jeremy, that if this have... was a one-off, you'd say, well, that was a bit of a bad season for Marco, yeah. but he'll bounce back. But when we've been speaking at this time of the year in the last couple of three years, we've said, oh, Marco, really? It, yeah. it, it's, I mean, can he turn it around in the way that, you know, when I talk to Nick about the Formula One season, it seems like I've been saying the same about McLaren for year after year. They can't have another year, it's McLaren. They can't have another bad year, it's McLaren. They'll turn it around. Well, this year they have turned it around. Not back to their former glories, but there's clearly some uh, improvement there uh, under Andre Seidel and Zach Brown. I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say about Marco. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, pass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not as if the team's struggling. Uh, they all have the same information to 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 uh, to draw from. You know, I mean, he's got great teammates there in Alexander Rossi and Ryan Ray and. And uh, as a satellite team, they're Colton Herder. So there's really no excuses. And uh, I don't know. I really don't know. It's, 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 just, it's just bizarre that he should have had uh, such another poor season. That's uh, Jeremy Shaw that's on the line with me, John Hindhoff, which look back as the, uh, the NTT IndyCar Series for 2019. That was 16th position uh, for uh, Marco Andretti. Um, Arrow Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, we've mentioned those already. Marcus Eriksson, uh, more... Uh, much more a rookie uh, than anything else in terms of his learning season for there. We've got Zach Veach at 18th, 290 to 271 there. And Matthias Leist for AJ Foyt. Uh, those three guys all within 30 points of each other. Jeremy was solidly into the, the midfield uh, of the, the championship here. And I mean, three drivers in Ericsson certainly. Zach Veach, I'd be interested to know what you've got to say about Zach Veach and Matthias Leist. Are they names for the future? Um, the jury's still out, to be honest. I mean, mm. for Zach, you know, he, he'd been on the sidelines for several of the seasons, came back last year, had a full season, and certainly he came into this year full of optimism. Um, but for he, like it, and he is another Andretti car alongside he and from he and Marco Andretti. It was it was a disappointing season. I mean, there, were, there, were the odd, there was the odd flash here and there for, for Zach. So and he has he had a few good qualifying uh, efforts. Particularly, uh, what stands out was a, a third on the grid in Detroit for the second race. There he was eighth on the grid for the first race, third on the grid for the second one. Uh, but uh, you know his best finish uh, during the year was was um, was. Yeah, not where he would have wanted. He had, he had only what three top ten finishes, so he would have expected a lot more from the season than he actually got. But again, you know, he didn't really have anything. No, nothing ever seemed to go his way. Uh, but uh, again, you know, he's not. Uh, he, he hasn't delivered the goods again this year. And for for Matthias Leist, it's again as teammates to Tony Canaan. You know, that's uh, you're up against a big boy there with TK, and both of them struggled. So I think. For Matthias Leis, I said it last year, 
when he when he moved out of Indy Lights, what, three years ago, he made the move too soon. He just didn't have the experience to to draw from, to to, make, to enable him to overcome any shortcomings that there might have been in a car or the team. And that, that, that battle for Mateus just continued, which is a shame because he's a nice guy. Yeah, he works hard uh, and uh, he has, uh, he's certainly a lot better than his results would have indicated. Beyond that, Jeremy, as we, uh, if we say the top 20, which is made up by uh, Ed Jones from Ed Carpenter Racing, we're into the, the realms of people who didn't do a full season. So we've got Ed Jones, Jack Harvey, Max Chilton, Ed Carpenter and Connor Daly. Um, Pick out something for um, one, some, or all of those. Yeah, and 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 going on down from there, you know, Connor Daly, Charlie Kimball, Patricio Warden, you know, all of these guys. None of them completed a full season uh, at all. Even Ed Jones, he'd only did the road course races Correct. for uh, Ed Carpenter Racing plus Indy, um, but he was very much shaded by uh, by Spencer Piggott all the way through the season. Spencer was was far and away um, the, the better driver there amongst those two. Jack Harvey, he really did impress yeah. in the, uh, well, I think he did eight races this season. Was it 10 races he did this season? Yeah, 10 races for uh, Michael Shank Racing. That was a satellite operation with Schmidt-Peterson. It was a, it was an, an excellent job that, that uh, Jack Harvey did this season. He had a, a podium finish at Indianapolis on a road course, well-earned, and and some strong runs as well, you know, aside from that. So he great to see that uh, jack harvey and michael shank racing they're going to be full-time next season yes. with the the switch that schmidt peterson had made from uh, honda to chevrolet michael shank he's a honda guy yeah. uh, so he's staying with honda he's not he got that night uh, now a new tie-up with andretti uh, i think that'll work out well for him i hope it does certainly because they certainly do deserve it uh, of those other guys you mentioned your ed carpenter he's just doing the ovals Again, he he showed his capabilities on the ovals with a strong run in Indianapolis, and again at Gateway when he finished in second place. Um, but yeah, that's about it for him. For Max Chilton, uh, again a really disappointing season for for uh, for the Carlin team, as it was indeed for the, for the whole team at Carlin. Um, so that was that's been a struggle for Patricio Award. He's the other guy there that probably stands out. He and Connor Daly stand out as guys who. But what have shone they? What have they got to do? To... Opportunity. Yes, exactly. What they've have just, they got to do see... to get a drive? Well, yeah. Because yeah, both of them out of the car, they're both good. In the car, they do they do an excellent job. Uh, obviously, award he's got his opportunity now for next year with the McLaren team. That's going to yes. be really interesting to see how he and Oliver Askew do because you yeah, have very little experience there to draw from, and with with no with no in season testing to speak of, it's certainly going to be a struggle for that team. But um, but yeah, Patricio he he definitely has the capability. I'm, delighted he's got that full season opportunity for Connor Daly boy what a job he did every time he hopped into a car he did a really really good job with it and seemed uh, like he, he really was never in the same car twice uh, no. two weeks running hardly yeah I mean three weeks in a row I think he was in three different cars yeah uh, so you know and, and in each of them he did a good job so uh, you know hats off to uh, to Connor for that and that's difficult hope... Jeremy isn't it because you're dealing with different people different you know, all right. I know it's the same car. And people go, "Oh, how come on, hang off!" It's a spec series. Yeah, but different teams work in different ways. They have different setups in terms of how the team is organised. You're talking to different people and potentially using slightly different language with some of these people about how you're describing things. I thought he was stellar every time he jumped into a car. 
I agree with you. I mean, it's superb. He's driving Indianapolis for Andretti was 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 massively impressive, uh, and uh, you know he, he didn't get the results he deserved as usual for for Connor, but uh, he certainly made everybody sit up and take notice there. Uh, and then those last three seasons, the last three races of the season at Gateway, he drove for Carlin. That's a, a Chevy powered car. Brilliant drive to sixth place there. Uh, was you started towards the back? That's fine. Raced really really well. Next time out was at Portland. Uh, when he drove for Schmidt-Peterson as a stand-in for Marcus Ericsson, who couldn't make that trip because he had to go to Spa for the Formula One race uh, with a, on a red herring there for a potential stand-in for Kimi Raikkonen. Qualified amongst the top 10, did Connor. That was superbly impressive. Then gets taken out on the first corner, as did his teammate James Hinchcliffe. And again, that was uh, that was uh, Graham Rahal who, who precipitated it that that accident perhaps actually with a bit of help from Zach Veach it should be said um, but so he didn't get an opportunity to drive at all in a race did Connor and then at, uh, at Laguna the final race of the season he qualified mid-pack for, for Andretti uh, ha- had a good run there didn't again didn't get the results he deserved but he's he works so hard at Connor he, he, is he a top liner yeah is he going to go for a championship probably Possibly not, but he's certainly de- deserving of a full-time ride in IndyCar. And you could name at least half a dozen guys that, who have regular drives that uh, you would put uh, Connor ahead of in terms of potential of getting results at the end of the day. Just before we finish up, Jeremy, we should look, we've talked about the championship, we should look at the Blue Riband event, which was this year the 103rd running of the Indianapolis 500. Simon Pagano led 116 laps and won the race. Uh, from Alexander Rossi to Kuma Sato, Joseph Newgarten, Will Power and Ed Carpenter inside the top six. And, I've, you know, for Ed, he'll be, I think, pretty happy with what he uh, did there. Finished on the uh, lead lap as well. And one of only, what, eight or nine people who, who led laps there. It's, no, he wasn't happy with that because he wants to win it. Well, of course he does. Ed yes, no, fair point. Fair point, <laughs> well, fair point well made. It, it, was, it was nice to see the Indianapolis 500 and the qualifying uh, in the last couple of years getting a little bit back to where it should be. You alluded to this at the, at the start of, of, uh, of this review of the NTT IndyCar series. Under new management now, of course, after this season, with Roger Penske and the Penske organisation taking over the NTT IndyCar Series, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, the broadcast production for TV and radio, pretty much everything bar the the museum there. Uh, Whatever anybody thinks about how much was or wasn't paid, and I'm sure we'll never get to know that. Uh, Roger Penske... uh, Massive force within motor racing, but also a massive force as far as a businessman's concerned. So on on two levels there, you'd say that's not a bad thing for the IndyCar series and for IndyCar generally. Uh, I think on every level, it's a great thing for IndyCar in general. Uh, I really do. I mean, yeah, Roger, the, the passion there for Roger Penske at 80-odd years of age yeah. uh, shows absolutely no signs of, 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 uh, of, of wavering. Uh, he's he's there on the pit box at every single race, loves it, can't get to enough races, and oh by the way, yeah, he runs this multi-billion-dollar corporations as well. Uh, it's it's astonishing the energy of that guy is just incredible, and I, if he can, which he will, bring that energy to to the series, I think that's what it's 
been lacking is is some energy and uh, even though he's he's up there in years you see the the energy is still there the desire is still there to improve the product and i think it's going to be uh, i think it's great for the sport that he's going to take it over in terms of the the health of the indycar series and of indianapolis and, and the 500 itself is this a good time for roger to take it on it's clearly not at the height of its popularity and powers and certainly in terms of commercial viability and attracting sponsorship for the, even the 500 itself uh, and certainly for some of the teams that's been rather difficult in the last few years can can roger bring something to that that will change those things jeremy if anybody can i think he can right with his, with his connections with his you know, just just the the, the prestige that is around the, the Penske name. Uh, I mean, integrity is uh, is unsurpassed, uh, you know, unquestioned. Uh, and I think all those those factors, all of them are, are positive traits that are going to going to be beneficial. I think to to the IndyCar series and in Indianapolis 500. You know, the Indy 500, it, it, no question, it had kind of stagnated. The purse, you know, the the, the uh, the, the the prize fund the purse as they call it over here is uh, it has stagnated in recent seasons uh, and that needs to be improved again we need to get more entrants willing to make that investment to do that race it's got better over the last few years we had, this year there were three cars didn't qualify yes yeah. um and you know, so what you, we're you saying basically it when, it's, it's there's more than 33 cars want to be in it so we lost some entries and that hasn't been the case always in the last few years and uh, and that shows at least an uptick a little bit of an uptick for people want to be involved in it it, it does and you know it's when when it does cost i mean you, to do to put together an Indy 500 program it does cost a half a million dollars probably at least really to do it properly yes so it's a it's a massive investment and you know you hate then to turn have, you have people not being able to, to take part in a race yeah. um particularly when they're such high profile names as Fernando alonso of course yeah um but you know but if that's what it takes to to gain credibility then then that's what it takes but you know for the for the, the for the teams that, that that just struggle to get in the race you know nowadays uh, the, you know the the, uh, the minimum purse you know the minimum uh prize to get into the race i think was it's 140 or 150 thousand dollars which it's been for probably 25 30 years Uh, and it's cost a lot more now than it did uh, many years ago you could get into the race many years ago uh spending a lot less money and you know and and almost worth doing a start and park in in nascar parlance if you got in there and you got a car through qualifying and you did a few laps you probably came away with at least breaking even and possibly in as you say in 30 odd years ago you might have even made yourself a few bob you would definitely have made yourself a few bob uh, going back over the years but these days no you don't and and that is something i think roger uh, is going to have to address and 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 will do so the 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 underlying problem jeremy uh, and uh, and by the way i uh, you and i have talked about this Roger Penske and his organisation already promotes IndyCar races, notably the the Belle Isle Detroit Grand Prix. So I don't see any issue um, with uh, uh, pot- uh, potentially with an entrant uh, holding the keys to the series and uh, other races. I, I I just don't see that. I don't see that in in Roger's makeup and and in the Penske organisation's makeup. I certainly don't want to lose Penske uh, from from the racing. Um, the the underlying problem that we've had for a wee while is the lack of 
what is called OEM, Original Equipment Manufacturer, interest in IndyCar. We've got GM with Chevrolet and Honda uh, with um, the, the engine supply. There's almost, it seems, always a third or fourth manufacturer standing in the shadows somewhere with a cape and a big hat on in a comedy way behind a cur- behind a velvet curtain waiting to be ushered in. Now, whether anybody believes that or not, or whether that's a bit of PR spin or not, and I, I tend to think it isn't. I think a lot of people are always looking at, at that type of competition. Certainly we know that Porsche uh, and Ford and others have been looking at IndyCar engine supply. That would help. That would help the IndyCar and particularly the Indianapolis situation. And and Roger has, through his business, fantastic contacts with all kinds of manufacturers through his car dealerships. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, he, he runs, uh, you know, runs Chevrolet's in the IndyCar series. He runs uh, and wins the championship in IMSA with with uh, with Acura, uh, i.e. Honda. Uh, he uh, wins. You know, supercar championships in Australia with with Ford. He's he's got he's got his fingers in in just about every pie that possibly is. But I think again, it's that integrity of Roger Penske that that that, that he holds that is going to be his biggest trump suit here. But, and with all those connections, you know, the, there are the vested interest thing. I don't think is a factor at all. Um, he can he can keep all his manufacturers happy. He's, he's done he, he's done it for for many many years now. Uh, he always works with money, multiple manufacturers in, in different championships, so not a factor. And um, I think his credibility and that just that, that business acumen, the fact that he is so well respected throughout not only the motor racing world but the business world, uh, has to be a, an attractive proposition for any anybody looking to get into the series. Finish off, Jeremy, uh, on that high note, uh, and also a quick final word from you. We talked about the rookies right at the beginning and you felt that the rookie championship uh, really did sum up how people had performed this year just about anywhere um joseph newgarden your driver of the season he takes the championship and uh, as we said when we were discussing him it wasn't perhaps easy and it certainly wasn't a foregone conclusion but was he the the driver of the year in your mind yes i i, I definitely would put him top top of my driver ratings um and I Penske, think he the did team uh, everything the he had to do. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, ha- has to be. I think. Um, yeah, they uh, they won more rate the team won more races than anybody else. They had three drivers up in the top five in the points. So yes, you'd have to say that uh, Team Penske was the uh, the top team this year again. Another great championship. I enjoyed watching it. Thank goodness we get to see so much of it here in the uh, UK now as well via the tie-up with uh, the Sky F1 uh, channel. So that's pretty good. Jeremy, thanks for being with us. It's always an absolute joy. And I I know the championship's been over for a wee while. So well done and uh, for refreshing your memory uh, there on on this one. And I'm, I'm supposing that you can't wait for it all to get underway again. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, th- th- I don't think there's any more testing to be done this season, so it's going to be January before any of the cars are on track again. And um, I'm super excited. I think there's some, some positive developments for the next season already, and, and I'm sure there'll be more to come before the first race of the season at St. Petersburg in March. And Jeremy Shaw will be telling us all about it on Midweek Motorsport every Wednesday, 8 o'clock UK. That's 3 o'clock Eastern for most of the year, at least when our clocks are running at the same time. Uh, on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. You've been listening to the NTT IndyCar Series Review. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.